Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. For Labor Day, I've chosen a passage from Longfellow's poem, To a Child. To a Child was written by Longfellow when he and Fanny's first child, Charles, was 15 months old. Its 191 lines wander, as does the child in the beginning of the poem. Toward the end, Longfellow turns his thought to the child's unknowable future. He first muses on the possibility that he will grow up to a life of physical labor, offering advice to the 15-month-old that will help him in that far-off day. He then turns to the other, perhaps more likely, alternative of being one who lives by his mind. His advice in that case is to let it ever be your pride to linger by the laborer's side, that is, to be a friend and companion to those of the working class. His reason for this is twofold. First, that it's the unselfish, generous thing to do. And second, that his own life will be enriched, revisiting the figure of the blacksmith, though here focusing not on moral character, but on the beauty of things made and the work of making them, retelling the legend of how the Greek Pythagoras was inspired to make the Greek lyre by listening to the blows of a blacksmith's hammer. Let's listen to this section of To a Child. From To a Child by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow And if a more auspicious fate on thy advancing steps await, still let it ever be thy pride to linger by the laborer's side, with words of sympathy or song to cheer the dreary march along of the great army of the poor, or desert sand, or dangerous moor. Nor to thyself the task shall be without reward, for thou shalt learn the wisdom early to discern true beauty in utility. As great Pythagoras of yore, standing beside the blacksmith's door, and hearing the hammers as they smote the anvils with a different note, stole from the varying tones that hung vibrant on every tongue the secret of the sounding wire and formed the seven-corded lyre. I grew up in a small town in the upper Midwest, where there were only two schools, the public school and the Catholic school, which only went through the eighth grade. Thus there were no class separations in my youthful social world. We all went to the same schools. Nor was there any in the adult world of the town, at least that I was aware of. At our football games on Friday nights, kids sat all together and mothers sat all together in the bleachers. The men of the town, farmers, clerks, tradesmen, businessmen, whether they had boys on the team or not, didn't sit in the bleachers, but rather stood on the sidelines, moving up and down the field along with the ball. When a punt or long play took the ball to the other end of the field, they would all run behind the bleachers together to again be with the ball. My father was among these men. There was plenty of social interaction, 
And I think my father in those times and at many other times and places took pride, as Longfellow urges, to be in the company of those of what we call the working class, though he was himself a manager. He respected their views when they differed from his own and admired the things they could do with their hands that he couldn't. Our world today seems less social. What are the opportunities for those who work at different kinds of occupations, blue-collar, white-collar, etc., to mingle and talk and enjoy each other? Following the example of my dad, I seek such opportunities whenever I can, if only in brief conversations while shopping or at church or sitting at a bar. I imagine that there are those who don't, those whose pride it is to not be rubbing elbows with those below them in the economic scheme of things. Those whose company they don't keep may be just as happy that they don't, if that's their attitude. But the lives of all are nevertheless diminished in a society where groups stay apart and with their own. There are things to enjoy, things to do, things to learn, and things to understand, and just plain good feeling that are missing from many lives today across the entire spectrum of society. Longfellow, in To a Child, as in all his poetry, is concerned with both healthy individuals and a healthy society. Let's listen to this passage from To a Child again. From To a Child by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow And if a more auspicious fate on thy advancing steps await, still let it ever be thy pride to linger by the laborer's side, with words of sympathy or song to cheer the dreary march along of the great army of the poor or desert sand or dangerous moor. Nor to thyself the task shall be without reward, for thou shalt learn the wisdom early to discern true beauty and utility. As great Pythagoras of yore, standing beside the blacksmith's door, and hearing the hammers as they smote the anvils with a different note, stole from the varying tones that hung vibrant on every tongue the secret of the sounding wire, and formed the seven-corded lyre. A striking aspect of this passage is that Longfellow, writing in America in the middle of the 19th century, takes it for granted that those who do physical labor will be part of the great army of the poor. In another hundred years, by the middle of the 20th century, the American labor movement made great progress toward bringing most of those who labor, though not all, into prosperity, progress that we celebrate on Labor Day. Hopefully the labor days of our future will celebrate even greater prosperity for all who labor in America. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the fireside.
revisiting the figure of the blacksmith 